Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Extra Innings Podcast. I know it's been a week since my last episode. Had a, had some stuff to take care of, but we're back. Hopefully back to the daily uploads for the podcast. And today, we're going to be continuing the series of going through all 30 teams, going over their 2020 offseason, and grading it and reviewing whether they improve their team or not. Today, we're going to do the Cleveland Indians. And in 2019, the Indians went 93 and 69 with a 49 and 32 home record, a 44 and 37 road record. They were second in the AL Central, and they missed the wild card by three games behind the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics. I thought that the Indians performed where they needed to be, or slightly overperformed. You know, I knew they weren't going to be. Um, World Series team, I just didn't think they had the power to compete with the Astros and the Yankees, even even the Rays, you know, and, you know, their division is not the easiest division in baseball, it gets easier towards the end of the division, but you know, they have, they have the Twins who played amazing in 2019, they have the up-and-coming White Sox, and, and then you have the, you have the Royals who are always hit or miss, They've been pretty poor the last couple of years, but remember they did win a World Series I think just around five years ago. So you got to be careful about them. And then you have obviously Detroit Tigers who are a Triple A AAA team with uh, no disrespect to Miguel Cabrera because he is really the only uh, serviceable MLB player on that team, and maybe Jacoby Jones. So in 2020, the offseason, the Indians did not do much, you know, they, they traded a big piece, um, but I don't think it's going to hurt them as much as another piece, in my opinion, so we're going to go with a couple trades that they did before the big couple of talks that I want to do. First, they acquired Sandy Leon from the Boston Red Sox for a Danis Bautista. Danis Bautista, prospect player, is not going to make much impact now. You have Sandy Leon, who was a Red Sox favorite, I know in 2019, He had one awful, awful, awful year. He hit with a 192 batting average, a 251 on base, a 297 slugging, and a 548 OPS. The guy barely got on base three out of ten times, if he's lucky. He hit five home runs with 19 RBIs. He's not really a productive catcher. You know, he was just he was just a fan favorite in uh in Boston. He's a negative six negative point six win player last year. Didn't really do much. Um, five home runs, nineteen RBIs. Doesn't get on base, you know. He's not the great. He's not the greatest defensive catcher. Doesn't get on base. But what he is good for is a backup catcher because the Indians do have Roberto Perez behind the plate, ninety percent of their games, even probably ninety-five percent of their games. Leon is a serviceable enough backup catcher. He does have. It doesn't. He doesn't prove it by the numbers, but he does have some pop in that bat. You know, he has a career of 332 slugging, which, again, isn't great. But he does have some pop in that bat. So, he can go yard from time to time. But what it is is a good serviceable catcher. You know, it's not the greatest backup catcher in the league. It's nothing like that. But when you have an all-star caliber uh, catcher in front of him, I don't think it's going to mean much. But it is a trade they pulled off, so I wanted to talk about it. Next, they re-signed Francisco Lindor to a one-year contract to avoid arbitration. They are going to have to pay this guy either next year or, then, or the or year after that. And boy, is he going to ask for a lot of money. You know, Francisco Lindor, there were rumors about him being traded. I know the Cardinals were a uh, spot for him. But I think he's staying put in Cleveland. I think 
I, I don't know how you can let go of a franchise shortstop like this. The guy in 2019 hit a 280 with a 284 batting average, a 335 on base, a 518 slugging, an 854 OPS with 32 home runs, 74 RBIs. He had 170 hits. I don't know if you trade this guy. I, the only thing I think of is if you don't, is you you can't pay him. But if you can't pay him, you got to find a way to pay him. Career-wise, he's a 288 hitter. He has already 130 home runs. He's been playing. He's been an all-star for the past four years. He's been in the MVP voting for the past four years. He's a two-time Gold Glover, a three, a two-time Silver Slugger. He was second Rookie of the Year in 2015. If you don't pay him, I don't get it. The guy makes plays defensively. The guy is an amazing offensive hitter. He hits from both sides of the plate, and he and. Yeah, he's probably a better left-handed hitter, but trust me, the guy rakes from the right side too. It's not like he's a liability from the right side. Pitchers are afraid to pitch to him. He's a fun player, you know. He has the smile he's, that he's known for. He's he is the Cleveland Indians. If when I think of the Cleveland Indians, the first player that comes to my mind is Francisco Lindor, and it will always be Francisco Lindor for now until he gets traded, or if he ever gets traded, or he's gonna finish his career in Cleveland. I think they need to build a team around him, and that's what they've been doing. They acquired pieces like Fran Mel Reyes last year. You know, needed that pop in the bat. Yasiel Puig, need a pop in the bat. These are guys that you can surround Francisco Lindor with, and they will win. And that was evident last year, winning 93 games. You know, they just missed the playoffs, but that was because the Twins had an unbelievable year, power-wise, pitching-wise. You couldn't really expect it from the Twins, but now you're now you're gonna come to expect them from the Twins. So the Indians are gonna have to, you know, play better maybe down the stretch a little bit. Um, but I like Lindor, and I I don't know how you don't I don't know how you can't like Lindor. The guy's just he's likable. He everybody likes him. I don't think there's one guy in the league or or fan wise who does even if you're even if you hate the Cleveland Indians, you like Francisco Lindor. He's that friendly of a guy. You know, I've seen him play in person. He's electric on on defense, on offense. A ball's hit in the hole. Chances are he's going to get there. A ball's hit up the middle, middle. Excuse me. There's a chance he gets there too, and it's a very high chance. You know, a ball that 90% of shortstops are just not going to get to because their field of range is not that wide. He'll at least stop the ball. You know, he is that productive on the defensive end. And he is a scary, scary hitter on the offensive end. I don't know. He saved 11 runs in 2019. That is amazing. He saved 13 in 2018, 7 in 2017. He has 44 defensive runs saved in five seasons. I love the defensive runs saved. I know it's the. I know it's flawed. I know it's not the most perfect. Um, you know, statistic or or analytic to measure fielding i know uzr is slightly better but i think defensive run is just easier to understand he saved 44 runs from happening in five years and that is fantastic so yasiel puig needs to get locked up i like the spot he's in in cleveland i do think he can prosper elsewhere as well but i like him in cleveland i think he fits in cleveland i think cleveland needs him because, you know, Cleveland sports has not gotten the luckiest. They haven't been so lucky, you know, with LeBron leaving and coming back and leaving again. You know, Kyrie leaving. You know, they need this. 
you know, with the Browns not being amazing, the Cavaliers not being amazing. They need this. They need the Indians to, you know, pick up the slack, and I believe they will. Next, I'm not going to bring up his stats. You guys know who he is, Mike Clevenger. I love this guy. He's a number one in my book. Um, you know, he really is, you know, signed him to a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. He is a number one in my book. The guy throws just on, he's, he's really unreal when you think of it because he's just, if you look at him on the mound, he doesn't look scary. He doesn't look like he's going to blow you away, but guess what? That's exactly what he does. He blows you away. In 2019, I will bring up his stats. I lied. He went 13-4 and with a 2.71 ERA, with 169 strikeouts, with a 1.05 whip in 126 innings. If he can get those innings up a little bit, remember he's only in his fourth year, he's entering his age 29 season. If he can get the innings up to above 200 like he did in 2018, he eclipsed 200 innings in 2019. This guy is a all-star. I don't, I don't care that he hasn't made it yet. I don't care... That, you know, he goes, flies under the radar a little bit. This guy is an all-star. Now he has the chance to be the number one in this rotation. And he's going to take full advantage. Trust me. He's just that good. You watch his stuff. It's electric. It's it's just, the ball comes out of his hand. It looks just like a ball should look. It looks like, you know, he he uh, he has the stature. He's 6'4", 215. You know, he's a little leaned out. But he's 6'4". He stands tall on that mound. You know, he gives you that again. I like to. I I like to bring this up because Adam Wainwright is someone I've watched over and over and over again throughout my life. I've seen him in person multiple times. I've I've watched him pitch on TV. Just the way he interacts with his teammates and the way he stands on that mound, Clevenger gives off that vibe. And I love Mike Clevenger. He might be my favorite player, or second favorite player on the Cleveland Indians. I like a lot of guys on the Cleveland Indians because I think they're a team. I like underdogs, and I like guys that not everyone talks about, underrated players in the MLB. Mike Clevenger is one of the most underrated starting pitchers in the underrated pitchers in the MLB, but especially starting pitchers. He deserves the credit. You know, him him and Trevor Bauer, when they were on the same team, I loved watching them. You know, um, when they went to go prank that high school team and they played a, they played a scrim with that high school team one-on-one. They're just fun, you know, they, they enjoy the game of baseball, and that's what I like to see. I don't like, I understand it's a business for them and it's their job, but they but the players who understand that they are the luckiest people in the world getting to play a children's game at the age of, you know, 28, 29, even into their mid to late 30s, those are the guys that I look up to. Those are the guys that understand that they were truly blessed to be in the position they're in no matter I understand that they worked and they understand that they worked and killed themselves but they still understand that we are getting paid top dollar to play a children's sport that many people stop playing at the age of 12 14 16 18 you know so I love I love stories like Mike Clevenger so huge fan you got to lock him up as well next they signed Domingo Santana as a free agent, you know, Domingo Santana is a good outfielder. He could play first base. In 2019, he hit 253 with a 329 on base, a 441 slugging, a 770 OPS with 21 home runs and 69 RBIs. He kind of, he played really well in Seattle. And I thought he was going to stay in Seattle, but Seattle is going through a rebuild. And I don't know if Domingo Santana fits. I know he is only 27. But I think they just wanted to make room for their younger guys. 
but Domingo Santana really has that pop, you know. When he was in Milwaukee, he had he had years. He had a 30 home run year. Um, he's a serviceable outfielder, you know. He makes the plays. I think he will probably play either right field or DH, in my opinion, for the for the Indians. I think it's between him and Franmil at right field, and I think Franmil gets the starting spot in right field, and I think Domingo goes to uh, the DH spot, or what I don't think they're going to do, but they could possibly do, and I'll bring it up later, is they start Jake Bowers at first, and you put Carl Santana in the um, in the DH spot. But I don't see that happening right away, at least. I I, I think if this, when the season does start up, hopefully I have to make another podcast about that, talking about the new updates in the season and how you know the, the, the league and Manfred says he does see 2020 happening, but the players are not really feeling it. Players don't want him to rush. And I'll make it my opinion on that again. I made my first ever podcast was about, you know, my opinions on whether 2020 should start. I'll make it again with the new information that we have about COVID-19 and the progressions that, you know, the United States is making in the fight against it. But I think Domingo Santana will be their starting DH for the beginning of the season. At least maybe he gets pushed to the bench. Probably not. I think he stays as DH. And I think it's a very solid, serviceable DH who has a lot of pop in his bat can get on base, and he can probably hit around the 5 or 6 hole, and that's a beautiful 5-6 hole hitter. Next, we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the big trade in, uh, involving Corey Kluber at the end. I don't know, I wouldn't call it a big trade, but I'm just going to call it the trade for Corey Kluber that we're going to talk about at the end. And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about this one before that, and I think this is the biggest loss that the Indians had to have to endure, you know, in 2020. Losing Yasiel Puig. And I, I put losing in quotes because he's not lost just yet. He's still a free agent. He hasn't been signed yet. And I really think they should sign him back. I really do. Put him in left field. You put him in right field. You swap him with Fran Mill, whatever you want to do. He had a really, really under the radar 2019. He had 267 with three with a 327 on base, a 458 slugging, a 785 OPS with 24 home runs and 84 RBS. I really thought he found his home in Cleveland. I did. I really think he did. I just think he has to reinvent himself because when he was on the Dodgers, you know, he had that all-star year in 2014. He was, he had those monster years with, with, you know, just the, his, his, you know, hitting 319 in his first years in the big leagues. And like, that's unheard of, right? But I wish, I really do wish that, you know, Yasiel Puig finds his way somehow back on to the Cleveland Indians. I don't see it happening because I just think their outfield has too much depth. But I think this is the biggest loss for them. You know, that power, that production, that arm in right in. uh, He did play right field a lot, but he also did play uh, left field for a little bit. But I just think, I think it's hard to just make up that type of production. I know... I don't know why, for me, I think this is their biggest loss. Everyone, of course, a lot of people are going to say, how can you say that? It's Corey Kluber. You know, Corey Kluber, the all-star pitcher, the ace in the rotation. And yes, I do believe that their rotation is their biggest weakness right now. And I still think that even with Mike Clevenger, even with Shane Bieber, I still think their rotation is the weakest link in this whole team because they only have three really serviceable starting pitchers. But I don't know how you... Re- how you. I don't think Domingo Santana you know, is the guy to replace Yasiel Puig's production. 
I don't. I think you should have kept him. I don't think he would have cost a lot of money. So, in my personal opinion, Yasiel Puig should have been re-signed. They let him go. That's their personal choice. And it's tough. I really, he's still a free agent. I think you have to bring him back. You know, there was just a report that the he, uh, uh, the Marlins offered him a contract, and he said no. And the reason, and apparently, other teams have offered him as well. He hasn't said which teams those are. He said no because he doesn't think there will be a 2020 season, and he doesn't want to uh, sign to a contract and then be held to it. He doesn't want to sign a multiple year deal and then get held to that. So. I understand where he's coming from. He doesn't need the money right now. He can wait until the offseason of 2021 and find the right team for him and sign. But I do think if we do play in 2020, that's going to be some hard production uh, to make up from the Cleveland Indians. And the last thing I want to talk about for the Cleveland Indians, obviously the one everyone knows about, is the Corey Kluber trade to Texas. They picked up Delano DeShields and Emmanuel Classe, or Clase, however you want to say it. I think it's Classe, but I'm not 100% sure. They pick up Delano the Shields, you know, it probably will be either their starting outfielder or a serviceable bench bat. Uh, in 2019, he had a two, he had 249 with a 325 on base, a 347 slugging, a 672 OPS with four home runs and 32 RBIs in 118 games. Again, Delano the Shields is not that power hitter. He just never was. He's not that. He's not really that RBI production hitter. He's that leadoff guy. You know, you put him in the one-two hole. He gets on base. You know. He has a, he's a 246 career hitter. He's not the greatest, you know, he's, he's serviceable. He, he, he's a good outfielder defensively. He does his job. You know, he does make some bonehead plays in center field. Don't get me wrong. He definitely does. Um, do I think he's going to start over a guy like Oscar Mercado? Probably not. So, I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart now that they have an outfield and they have a very deep outfield. I don't see Delano starting. I see him as a bench player. You know, I see I see Fran Millen right, Oscar Mercado in center, and either Jordan Luplo or Greg Allen in left. The only thing I can see them doing is putting Mercado in left, Delano DeShields in center field, and Fran Mill Reyes in right. Actually, that's what I think will probably happen. Even though Mercado is a, a uh, very natural center fielder, maybe you move Delano to, to left field. But I, I see them trying to do that. Uh, trio in the outfield of Delano DeShield, Oscar Mercado, and Fran Mel Reyes. So will he start for them? My opinion, yes. Will he, uh, Only time will tell, though. And then they picked up Emmanuel Classe as well. Uh, his first year in the bigs in 2019, he, he was 2-3 and three with a 231 ERA in 23 in the third innings pitched. He had 21 strikeouts with a 1.114 whip. This guy has the tools to be one of a really, really solid pitcher in the MLB. He really does. Is he going to start for them? Mm, probably not. He's probably going to go to the bullpen. Um, you know, he has that strikeout power. Obviously, 21 strikeouts in 23 and a third um, innings. He, he low ERA. I don't know what more you could ask out of him. Um, and I see why, you know, you can... The Texans... Uh, the Rangers let him go. Excuse me. Um... Can he start? I'm sure he could, but I know he's a reliever, like a, um, a, like listed reliever for Texas, and he did come out of the bullpen for Texas. But I'm sure if they need him to start, he can start, and they probably will need him to start. You know, um, because I'm gonna go through their rotation soon in a minute, and I think they're gonna need him to start. But 
to go over the trade, they get they get those two guys to give up Corey Kluber, who just didn't really play in 2019. Um, in seven games, he pitched to a two and three record with a 5.8 ERA with a negative 0.4 WHIP. He only pitched 35 innings. I just don't think I think Cleveland, you know, was his home for so long. He's entering his age 34 season. He was an All Star in 2016 through 2018. He won the Cy Young twice, one in 2017 and one in 2014. The guy is an animal. Don't get me wrong. The guy is a as productive as you can get. And I think it will hurt him. I think it will hurt, not him. I think Texas might be the spot for him. I think it will hurt the Indians overall. But I know he's entering his age 34 season. He's, he's, he's going to start slowly declining just because that's the end of his prime. He's coming out of his prime. And it's not like you picked up amazing players for him, but you picked up like a guy in class A who has the ability, maybe not to turn into, you know, a Corey Kluber, but can turn into a really, really solid either um, back end of that rotation, you know, uh, a long uh, setup man or even a closer if you need one. Right now, you don't because you have Brad Hand. But I think it really bolsters that already amazing bullpen. And that bullpen is, along with the lineup, the bullpen is what's going to carry this team into the in 2020 and in and the future beyond that their bullpen is really really solid um so i'm going to talk about we're going to go through the rotation we're going to go through the whole depth chart real quick so their rotation is mike clevenger shane bieber carlos carrasco i love cookie um the guy is just so strong the guy everything about him love him uh adam plutko and jeffrey rodriguez the reason i say they only have three really uh real starting pitchers is because i don't know how plutko is going to perform in a full season in 2020, or the full season that we're gonna get, and I don't really know. I don't really know a lot about Jeff Rodriguez. I've actually never seen him pitch before, so can't really speak on it. Bullpen: You have the closer in Brad Hand. The guy's an absolute beast from the left side. That's one of the top closers in baseball, and I believe that wholeheartedly. I think it's between, you know, him, Josh Hader is up there, but he's definitely one of the most elite closers in baseball. You have Nick Wittegren. You have Adam Simber. You know, you have the lefty in Perez. Then you have Classe. You know, you got guys like guys like James Hoyt. You signed Dominic Leone to a minor league contract, so he'll probably make the forty man. And again, this this bullpen is just so overwhelmingly good. Guys like Whitgren, uh, Whitgren and Simberg, underrated guys. Whitgren throws really hard. Simberg, guys from the right side, guys from the left side, they can mix it up on you, and they have a bunch of options to go to that can all get they are all efficient and can all do the main thing that they're out there to do and get is get outs cash you have roberto perez probably an all-star in my opinion if he continues just playing the way he does doesn't fall off dramatically he'll probably be an all-star sandy leon is the backup you first base you have carlson Tanner and jake bowers here i was talking about jake bowers is their prospect guy i think you can pr- if you see that bowers just needs those reps you can put bowers at first base he is a lefty so that's what you want there at first. Um, you put Santana at the DH, and you let both of them get the reps because they both hit for power. They both, you know, taking Santana out of that lineup hurts, but if you put him in that DH spot, it's not going to hurt nearly as bad. Second base, you have Cesar Hernandez and Christian Arroyo. Cesar Hernandez is definitely going to get the start there. Arroyo is a good backup. Really good serviceable bench player, but Cesar Hernandez is going to start at second base. Third base, you have a potential all-star in Jose Ramirez. Guy had a down 2019 but he kind of picked it up towards the end of 2019 and i do believe he's going to pick it up whenever the season starts up i'm just going to say 2020 
probably 2021 though. And, you know, potential all-star, uh, past all-star, and I believe he's going to be a future all-star. Then you have a definite all-star in Francisco Lindor at shortstop. There is no one backing this man up. He is a one-man show out there, and he is going to get the job done. Left field, they um, MLB.com has Jordan Luplo as the starting left fielder, but I do believe it's probably going to be either Oscar Mercado or Delano DeShields. In center field, the same thing. I think it's going to be Oscar Mercado or Delano DeShields. And in right field, I have Framil Reyes and probably Jordan Luplo, as the, Jordan Luplo or Domingo Santana as the uh, ba- backup. Designated hitter, you have Domingo Santana, Fran Mill Reyes, or Jake Bowers, or Carlos Santana. Like I said, I think it's going to be towards the, it, the start of the year, it's going to be Domingo Santana or Jake Bowers. And towards the middle to end of the season, I think you're going to see Santana probably slide into the DH and Bowers move into the starting first baseman role. So, overall, what do I think about this team? I think they really did not get much worse. I think that, you know, guys like Bowers can really make a difference. Um, their, their pickups that they got from the Texas Rangers are not going to make a huge difference. Domingo Santana, he's going to be impactful, but not as impactful as I think Pui could have been. So I'm going to give them a slight, you know what? I take that back because I, I know how good this team can be, but I do really think that their rotation is going to hurt them. If their rotation pitches to the way I think that their rotation can then I'll keep them around a 94-95 win team. But my prediction for a 2020 season based on a 162-game scale, I'm going to go. It hurts me to do this because I really do like this team. I'm going to give them a 91-71 and record, a two-game decrease. I just think the loss of some bats in that lineup, the loss of obviously an all-star pitcher in Kluber. Yeah, he didn't do much in 2019, but... You know, you're still losing an all-star pitcher who's not, not, he's, he's getting up there in age, but he's not old. He's not, he's not washed up. He's only, he's, he's entering his 34 season. Um, but I do think that their bullpen will really carry, carry them. So overall, what do I grade them? I don't think they had a bad offseason. I just think they, had, I, I don't think they had a really productive offseason. I'll give them a B minus, you know. It wasn't terrible. They did what, they just did what they needed to do to get by, you know. They made some moves so their fan base doesn't get Really annoyed. You know, I think trading Kluber was probably for the salary. So you have enough to sign uh, uh, Francisco Lindor when you need to do that to an extension. But I'll give him a B-. I'm I'm satisfied with what they did. I still think they're a top team in the AL. And I do think... I don't expect... that The problem with the American League is there's so many good teams. You know, you have the Yankees... You have the Rays, you have the Red Sox, who I think will be good. I'm not sure. I I believe that last year was a fluke for the Red Sox. You have you have teams like the Athletics. You have teams like the Twins, who is not the Twins are not a joke. The Twins that was not a fluke. I can guarantee you that that team is here to stay, and they deserve to be back at the top. Um, just I think the American League is slightly more difficult than the American League. You have guys, you have teams like the Astros who I don't think are going to drop off that much. Yes, I know they were cheating and I know that they used cameras and and uh, stingers, not stingers, like uh, buttons on their, under their jerseys so they get a little, little uh, thing, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> to uh, when they, what they, so they know what's coming instead of like uh, hitting the trash can. Buzzers, that's the word, buzzers. 
but and I think the Angels are going to be really, really. I I don't think they're there just yet, but I think the addition of Rendon. You know, you have Mike Trout, who is, again, I'll say it over and over. In my opinion, the best baseball player to ever step foot on a baseball field. And I think, you know, people disagree with that. You know, they bring up old guys, but I think the game was different back then. I think the game is harder now. I think the game is harder now. I think the game evolved now. And Mike Trout is just one of the best. You know, you still have a guy like Everpools who can can be productive, um, maybe in limited at-bats, but he can be productive. So, like I said, 91-71 record is my prediction in 2020 if we were playing 162 games. And I give him a B-. So, thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I know it's been a while. It's been almost, it's been probably a week when this is going to get posted, but I promise we're going to get back to daily, the daily grind. I'm bringing in guests. I recorded already two podcasts with guests. I'm going to bring in more. We're going to make this thing big. So I appreciate all you guys, all the new subscribers, all everyone supporting the videos, liking, commenting, give me all feedback. Once again, feedback is welcome, positive and negative. It really means the world to me. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to listen to me. And I'll see you on the next episode.